Hello and welcome to the Dead Letter Movie Podcast, Episode 2, recorded uh, October 19th, 2014. I'm Tim. I'm Andrew. And we're, uh, we're still experimenting with this format, but we had this idea that we might talk at length about what we feel are good movies for people who love movies. Yeah. Which sometimes also happen to be sort of in some way or other about the movies. Um, this one a little bit less so, but this is a, a classic in its own right. This is 1979's The Muppet Movie. Woo! Uh, directed by James Frawley, starring the uh, the original Muppet performers, uh, Jim Henson, of course, Frank Oz, Jerry Nelson, Richard Hunt, and Dave Goles. Uh, mm-hmm. A few others doing bit parts. Um, with... Charles Durning and Austin Pendleton as uh, as the human antagonist characters. Yep. Um, so this this is a movie that's really really special to me. I mean, if uh, if you watched our, our review of the most recent Muppet film, Muppets Most Wanted, uh, you uh, you heard us talk about that. How how we both have a little bit of history with the Muppets, and how I'm probably more into the Muppets than. Oh, you are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's fine. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, I love the Muppets, but you definitely are the bigger Muppet fan <laughs> um, of the two of us. And I freely admit to that. Yeah. So, uh, this this was their first movie, um, and in my mind, still far and away their, their best. Mm-hmm. Um, 1979, the uh, the Muppet show was, was still in production. They were a couple of seasons in. I think this was around season three, maybe season four in between those. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Muppets had been on television for a while. Sesame street had been on the air for almost 10 years when they went into production on this, but there was some question of how do we get the Muppets out into the world in order to make a, a movie? Is, is it something that can be done? Yeah. Or you know, are we kind of you know stuck in a, a television setting to make it believable? And really, uh, this was very, very impressive to me, a lot of the things they've done. And I, I appreciate more and more every time I watch this movie some of the, the lengths they went to to, to make this happen. Um, in particular, the, the opening... Establishing shot, the the credit shot actually, uh, because there's a, there's a little bit before the the credit sequence. Yeah, yeah. There's um, a cold opening. Yeah, yeah. There, there there is a cold open, which is a really pretty amusing cold open in which the mm-hmm. the Muppets are sitting in a, a studio screening room in order to screen the movie that we're all about to watch. So a little little bit of Muppet metaism there. Mm-hmm. Um. But after that, during during the credit sequence, you, we've we've got Kermit the Frog sitting on a log playing his banjo in the swamp. Rainbow Connection. Rainbow Connection, which yeah. was nominated for an Academy Award. I don't think it won. Um, I don't think it did either. No. Oh, interesting tidbit: the uh, the writer of the song, Paul Williams, is actually later in the film as the piano player, where where Kermit finds Fozzie. Yeah, yeah, at the uh, the El Slizo Cafe. El Slizo Cafe, which is even funnier because Paul Williams, you know, talented musician and songwriter that he is, isn't really much of a piano player. 
Uh, you, By his own admission. Yeah. yeah. It was just um, a, a way to get him in the movie. Yep. So, um, but I mean, if, if you look at the, the log that the Kermit's sitting on while he's singing, yeah, it's clearly surrounded by water. How are they puppeteering that? Mm-hmm. And there, there are a number of things like that where the, the, the Muppets in general, but especially in, in this movie where they're, they're doing some of these big things for the first time, are yeah, like, so good at, at making you believe in the Muppets that unless they point it out to you, you wouldn't even think about some of these things. It's right. Like, like, yeah, um, of, of course, Kermit, you know, he's, he's a frog. He sits on a log in a, in a swamp. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? And, and later when he rides a bicycle, you're just like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then you stop and think about it. Hey, wait a minute. How yeah. did they do that? There was a, the scene that, that made me kind of wonder, well, how was that done? was actually, it's closer to the end of the film, where um, Kermit is talking about, he's, I, I, he's sitting in like a director's chair, and he's, there's this big, huge, expansive shot that kind of zooms into him. And you, you're just, and you can see through the director's stage. chair, right? Yeah, it's, and you're just like, how, how are they doing this? Because um, <laughs> shouldn't I be seeing a puppeteer behind this thing here? Um, and I, I, I don't know how to do. It. I just don't know. <laughs> Being a bit more of a, a Muppet fan than my colleague here, um, yeah, I, I know some of these tricks and and how they were done, and they're still really clever. Uh, I don't know specifically that that one with the, the director's chair, there are a couple of ways they might have done that. Mm-hmm. But the, the log to me is a great example of an artist really, really being dedicated to to the work. What they had to do, the log was built so that it was just big enough for one person to fit inside and uh, and stick the, the hand up and, and puppeteer Kermit from inside the log. Wow, was it Jim Henson? It was Jim Henson. It was Jim Henson himself did this, put put himself on the line to to make this work, and boy did it work! Nice. Well, that's yeah, because that's because later when Don DeLuise comes up and you know like he's, you would have to figure out how to that that's dedication because because you know Kermit couldn't just be like you know you know Jim move your hand this way. I mean, like they had to really right. practice that to make sure that they could play it off well well and one of the the somewhat less known secrets of of the muppets which i'm sure is easier nowadays with with more modern technology um but this this was something that jim henson had been doing for for years at this point the puppeteers all worked with small television monitors while they were doing the puppeteering so that they could see what the camera was seeing so there, oh, there was yeah. a feed coming from the camera so they can okay I, I need to, to move this way in order to, to interact properly with this other character or this, this person mm-hmm. or this object. So there, you know, Jim, Jim Henson had a, a monitor in, in that rig, but I mean, you know, these, this, this was 1979. We, we didn't have, you know, flat panel LCD displays of any kind. So oh. these, these, these were tubes. So mm-hmm. <laughs> No, really, really impressive. That that one to me, I I think that that gets me more and more every time because that cannot have been comfortable. No, and it's not exactly a short scene either. Um, no, and and how many takes did they have to do that, with Kermit that. and Dom DeLuise and Arnie the Alligator? Arnie the Alligator, who is 
who looks more like who is obviously a big puppet, but um, looks more like an alligator. Um, He's fairly convincing. Yeah. <laughs> um, the thing that's like so the so other than the technical achievements and everything, the film also plays a lot into the old Hollywood tropes. The film is ultimately about how the Muppets met and how they made their movie, sort of, and um, it, or it's an approximation according to Kermit. Um, as to how they all met and everything. And so they go through all these various, like, film tropes. Um, there's It starts off as a road movie. Um, it kind of stays a road movie for most of the thing, but it's not like yeah. a... It doesn't play up like the road movie, like, say, Easy Rider is a road movie. It's, but it's... No, no, not not really that kind of road, road movie, movie. But it's but it's still very much... It very much is a road movie. And but they they also play up other things like when Gonzo comes into the picture, it's almost like the vaudeville old like uh, the way Gonzo is kind of in. I always feel like Gonzo's been like this for a while. Gonzo is like a silent film star who happens to talk um, in a lot of ways. Um, he's very <laughs> slapstick. He's very physical. I mean, in many ways, like you feel like when you when you see anything with Gonzo, you're just like. Wow, I mean, like, what would this have been like if Jim Henson had, you know, what would have Gonzo have been like in the 20s, you know? And there's a sequence in which um, he buys balloons from Richard Pryor and goes flying off into the thing. And it feels like something that would have happened to Buster Keaton or Harold Lloyd. It's uh, it's very whimsical. It's very awesome. It's It's a kind of old movie trope that's, you know, very heartwarming. Which is, you know, to, to be honest, a lot of the, the Muppets charm is they, they do a lot of the, the old vaudeville and, and slapstick kind of humor. Mm. And it's it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. They they know it's, it's cheesy and kind of old hat. And they, they kind of play on that. I mean, you, you've got the Muppets are grimacing right along with the audience at, at some of these gags that they do. And I, I love that about them. Yeah. But there, there's there's definitely a lot of that, and and Gonzo certainly more than more than most of the others, I, I think, definitely fits into you know, the, the the silent vaudeville kind of era. Um, but some something that they've uh, they've they they talk about in in the Jim Henson Company and and you know Muppet Studios is that you know the, the performers need to be actors first and and puppeteers second. They they need mm-hmm. to be able to make the character convincing and you can learn how to work a puppet yeah anyone can learn how to work a puppet but not everybody like i don't know i've often i wonder if this happens i i don't think the muppets would be as akin to this but um like other things that may have puppets involved like i could totally see there being a puppeteer and then a voice actor dubbing over later um which is is something that has been done actually yeah. um as as an aside they did that for uh, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas mm-hmm. the uh, the character of uh Alice Otter uh was puppeteered during filming by Frank Oz but uh, the voice was dubbed later and I'm I'm forgetting the actress's name um mm-hmm. but she she was having a hard time with the the puppeteering so you know okay you know we'll we'll have Frank do it and we can can dub the line later yeah so um, but back to, uh, back to the Muppet movie, uh, one of, one of the other great things is, is that it's at, at the same time, it's kind of an old fashioned road trip movie. It's, it's also sort of an old fashioned musical Yeah, with, uh, with great songs by, by Paul Williams, who's, who's been described a number of, of times as 
being able to write songs that sound like they're much older than they are. Yes. So um, he wrote songs very... for the like he wrote songs for the Carpenters. He wrote the music for this Brian De Palma movie I really like called Phantom of the Paradise. Um, he's and that's, that's very true. Most of the stuff that he writes is it sounds older than it should be. Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, Three Dog Night and and, and mm. others of the era. Um, <clears throat> old fashioned love song, for instance, is, is yeah, one yeah. of his, mm-hmm. which was was sort of a, a commentary by him on that. Yeah, <laughs> but no, uh, one wonderful, wonderful soundtrack. Great songs that feel old timey, but but not tired at all. I, mm. I think they all still work very, very well. Yeah, they have a bit of a vaudeville feel to they, them. They do. As well. They really do. There's, but a, not in a tacky kind of way. No, not not at all. They're, the 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 quintessential road song of this movie, uh, "Moving Right Along," is a duet mm-hmm. between Kermit and Fozzie, yep. uh, Jim Henson and Frank Oz, respectively. Which yeah, it 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 evokes all of that, and and there are some of the the same kind of gags, and it feels like an old old musical movie song. Mm-hmm. It's um, and the thing is, like, in in like, that song, moving right along, you can. I was gonna say, like, a, a lot of the songs feel like songs the Marx Brothers could have sang. Um, moving right along, and I mean this in this is a high compliment. Um, moving right along feels like something that you know Bob and Bing would have sang. Yeah, I, I was um, just thinking about Hope and Crosby. Yeah. Um, Incidentally, Bob Hope also had a, a cameo in this movie. He does uh, yeah. late later on as an ice cream. Uh, Bing Crosby, no, he wasn't dead yet, was he? No, not at that point. He wasn't in the movie though. He's not in the movie, but I don't think he's he was dead at that point. Seventy nine, I think. I think I think he was still around, but um, I, I don't remember. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, folks. Um, but uh, yeah, the uh, now that you've gotten to the the cameos, the cameos in this are very different from how the the last two Muppet movies are in that the celebrities that show up making cameos are actually playing characters for the most part. Um, like earlier I mentioned Richard Pryor is selling balloons to Gonzo. Steve Martin is this terrible waiter. Um, and a uh, terrible waiter seems to be a thing for, <laughs> for the Muppets because John Cleese is a terrible waiter later in another, in great Muppet caper, isn't he? Um, uh, no, John, John Cleese was a hapless victim of piggies. Oh, uh, piggies. Burglary. Piggies. Some, oh, okay. yeah, some, yeah. And, okay, he's not a yeah. waiter. Okay, it's yeah. been a while since I've seen Caper. Sorry, that, um, that's okay. <laughs> uh, that and one, uh, that was good. We can talk it, about that on a different podcast. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah. So my favorite, the the best cameo of the whole thing. Well, maybe we should we will save that for when we get. <laughs> so talking about the plot of the film, um, uh, Fozzie and Kermit go out to go to Hollywood to go make their millions because Don DeLuise has told Kermit that this famous producer is looking for frogs to be in movies and and to become rich and famous. So they're driving off and then they they collect the other Muppets as the film progresses. They 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 pick up Gonzo and Camilla from a very weird car accident. They uh they don't quite pick up Sweetums from Milton Burrell's used car lot. Um <laughs> and <laughs> And so on and so forth. Yeah, let's um, see. The electric Fuzzy mayhem was a, a fill-in act at a at a, a sleazy cafe, El Sleazo Cafe, El actually. Sleazo cafe, yeah. um, let's see where where we had Paul Williams and Telly Savalas and uh, Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn and randomly Carol Kane, I think. Not Carol Kane. Uh, no, maybe it is. Uh, ah, what's her name? Uh, 
No, I think that was Carol Kane. Is it Carol Kane? I, I think it was. Uh, Cloris Leachman came much, much later. Uh, yeah. Oh, geez, let me see here. Yeah, Carol Kane. It is Carol Kane? Okay. Yes. Sweet. She was a little right, bit up, so hard to recognize. Yeah, um, she was very young then, so... That, um, that, that too. Um, yeah. So, let's see. Um, Elliot Gould had A-Line, James Coburn. Uh, let's see. Who have we not mentioned? I think we've mentioned uh, just about... Every- oh, Edgar Bergen. Edgar Bergen, yeah. And, uh, and Charlie and, McCarthy. And Charlie... Yeah, Charlie Murphy. Not Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy's... Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, that's uh, something else. It's Charlie uh, Murphy's Eddie Murphy's brother, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy in, uh, McCarthy, in one of their, it, yeah. their their final film appearances, and the uh, and the the film was ultimately dedicated to uh, to Edgar Bergen and and his memory as he he died not long after uh, production on this movie finished. Mm-hmm. So another another famous man with a puppet. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they progress along and they go through various film tropes there. Um, along the way, there is um, Charles Durning, the uh, the antagonist, who looks a lot like Pappy O'Daniel, his character in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, he, he's dressed kind of similarly. Yeah, he is a bit, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he runs a Frog Legs um, restaurant and he's trying to get a hold of Kermit and <laughs> for his various sinister deeds. And at various points throughout the film, there's of course danger and everything. They pick up Miss Piggy at a at a carnival, and they of course they get captured. And Mel Brooks is there, and we have this damsel in distress, silent film kind of moment. And instead of Kermit getting you know saving the day because he's the one that's actually going to have stuff done to him, Piggy's eyes get huge and she destroys everything. And- <laughs> And and so it kind of flips that trope on its head, which is kind of nice. Um, that was a really impressive action sequence, too. I mean, yeah. con- con- considering who the players were, even more so. Yeah. And, yeah. So and so, they, you know, there's all these various happenings that go along on their way to Hollywood, and they they finally have this showdown between Charles Dearning and this frog leg hunter guy in this old west send up that culminates with Animal from the Electric Mayhem becoming gigantic um, in perhaps a nod to old drive-in movies. Um, so there's... <laughs> the, the film is not without various references to just film genre in general. Um, and that's I think that's pretty great. Um, finally, they get to Hollywood and they go up to, to see this big producer. And who, of course, is the producer but Orson Welles. Because who else would it have been to better encapsulate Hollywood as a person but Orson Welles? Pretty much nobody. Yeah, there's nobody that, who would have been that, better. That was, that was a huge get. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there he was, large as life. Larger, perhaps. Um, yeah, was, was Orson Welles. He was Orson Welles. And it was during the, you know, the years of making wine commercials for money. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, so it's there is no there really isn't anybody who would have possibly been better for that role, and the uh, the fun thing about it is that you know Orson says you know I, I wish I could do the Maurice Lamarche voice but I can't um, you know go and get the standard rich and famous contract which would later play into the Muppets um, from a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, which was again a little bit meta. Because I mean, they they acknowledge in the Muppet movie that the events in the movie are a movie. 
put yeah. them up. It's a sort of playing versions of themselves, <coughs> which is is definitely the case in 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 most of their their movies. the The idea of of the Muppets is that they're not just you know they they don't disappear once the cameras turn off. That they're they're real in a sense that they have a memory and a history, mm-hmm. and they they continue to exist when the the cameras are turned off. Right, and and that's that's part of the the mythos and and what made the the Muppets so special and and continues to do. Mm-hmm. So, but but yeah, I really all all the the old Hollywood tropes and and everything about it the 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 action scene with with Miss Piggy in in the barn when they're captured. Uh, even even the musical cues in in the score are are very very much like a silent film during that sequence. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of uh, you know dramatic piano. Yeah. It's um it's definitely a a film that you don't have to have a knowledge of film history in order to watch, but it actually kind of makes it better when you do. Yeah, I I agree 100%. I mean, it's it's just a great all-around movie, but there there's a lot of stuff in there for for people who are familiar with film and the language of film and the the whole process and and the craft of it. Good time. We definitely recommend this for anybody who would call themselves a fan of cinema. Absolutely. Yeah. Some some really really clever camera work and and other effects. You know, really really I, I don't want to say great because it's it's not serious and dramatic most of the time, but no. some 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 good performances by mm-hmm. by all the the actors, uh, especially the Muppets, of course. the The cameos are are wonderful and surprising. Although, yeah, it it, it pains me to say this: a lot of children now probably are not going to recognize a lot of them. Yeah, they might know Steve Martin, Steve Martin, uh, who's who's still around. Some some of the uh, others they may have seen in other movies, but. But that's probably about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't imagine the average seven-year-old knows who Richard Pryor is, no. let alone Orson Welles. Um, yeah, I, I, I would not yeah. expect them to. Not at this point. Nope. So, well, that's uh, that's the Muppet movie. Thanks for listening. This this has been uh, again kind of an experiment. We we think we're going to do some more more like this. We've got a a working list of of movies that fall into into this category. That uh, that we feel we can can kind of talk at length about. Mm-hmm. Um, so real quick, let's let's do uh, what's what's coming soon. It's coming soon to this podcast, or coming soon to just dead letter movies. Um, uh, well, yeah, yeah, both in general. Um, um, I, I don't know. We haven't figured out what our next podcast is going to be. Yeah, but, but so uh, we haven't quite figured that out. Um, we figured out other things we want to talk to in this like series of movies. Um, for people who love movies, but we may not do that like one after the other. Um, so, so those I want to be a surprise. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, we have so we have Book of Life coming up, um, Interstellar. Um, I think if we can try to do it, though it's sort of limited release, we should probably talk about Birdman um, with Michael Keaton. Yeah, um, yeah, it's getting a lot of buzz. Um, it is. It is. That may. I don't know. Um, that may not play at a lot of the, the big theaters, you know, the commercial chains, but mm. sometimes 
you know, places like uh, art museums, the uh, the local museum here where I am sometimes plays these kind of things. Like I think they had the the Congress with Robin Wright playing this oh, okay. weekend, yeah. um, which I didn't get to unfortunately, but that's all right. So that's that's something to watch for. Um, right, and uh, Big Hero Six we have coming up as well. Right, right. That that same weekend is is Interstellar. So those are some things we're going to be be talking about a little bit. Um, if not necessarily in our, our video reviews, we'll uh, we'll probably mention them at least on the podcast. Yep. Um, I'll I'll mention again here just real quick. We uh, we did in our our latest video, but our <laughs> previous video was lost to the uh, the ether of cyberspace. Yeah, so it exists out there somewhere. <laughs> but we did Maybe. see and, and review Gone Girl. We we agree it's a very well made film. They they did what they wanted to do with it. I think it's not a movie for everyone. I know. I thought it was really good though. We both gave them A grades. Yeah. Um, so it's it's definitely it's definitely one of the movies to see this year. Yeah. If if you're one of those people that that feel you must, um, be warned. This movie is unsettling. Yes. <laughs> not in the ways you were probably thinking. Yeah. So, uh, movie that makes you kind of want to take a shower afterwards. And then another one. Yeah. It's good, though. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for episode two of the Dead Letter Movie Podcast. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll, we'll have links in the show notes for some of the things we've talked about. And we'll see you next time. Bye, right. everyone. Bye, everyone.